Welcome to the D-Shift Podcast, where we provide inspiration, motivation, and education to help you transition from the challenges of divorce to discover the freedom and ability to live life on your own terms. Are you ready? Let's get this shift started. Hi, and welcome to the D-Shift Podcast. Today, we are really excited to have Victoria Cure on here, and I am I am really excited to talk to you, Victoria, because you have such an important message to share. But first, I want to say welcome and thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. So, Victoria, tell me, tell me and tell everybody a little bit about what brought you here, what's your why, what's your purpose, what's your passion? That is a huge question. Let's see how I can condense that down. I am passionate about paying it forward and helping others. I help advocate for domestic violence and abuse survivors. I'm one myself and I work with special needs children and their families. I'm a parent of a special needs child and I'm special needs myself. So I know what that feels like. Um, I, I don't want anyone to go through it alone. So I advocate and do this so that they have a reliable person on their side that helps them go through it. That is such a powerful um, mission in life or purpose or motivation or whatever, whatever term you, you choose to use. And um, it's interesting. I don't know. I know we were talking before, but I don't think I mentioned this. I actually worked as a domestic violence client advocate for many, many years. So worked directly with women to help them get support and women, family, and sometimes men. Um, I mean, you know, domestic violence is not not directed just towards women. It can be towards anybody in a partnership. So, so tell me a little bit about what, what are some of the things that you see the common, and I know that's hard to say common threads because everybody's situation is a little bit unique, but what are some of the things that you think uh, women or men before, during, or after divorce may want to watch out for, may want to be aware of, or maybe even support that they don't even realize that they need or that they can access. So I know I left that really, really big, but. No, that's um, fine. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of red flags that people don't realize are red flags. And I think especially right after COVID, people got even more like lonely that they were just so excited to have some interaction with another human being, male, female, I have yet to learn, and I apologize to your listeners, the whole binary, non-binary, he, 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 him, she, her. I haven't learned all that yet, so I apologize. I'm, I'm working on it. Um, but I think that people just kind of don't trust their gut, and they go and just want that attention and that affirmation from somebody that they're important. And when somebody is in that courtship love-bombing phase, they make everything about that person. It's almost like they're a trophy partner. They're a trophy significant other. And everything is, is that charming character, a character charismatic disposition where you're like, where has this guy been? And, or where's this girl been? And it's, they do everything they can to literally put you in a mock one of, we need to get super serious, super quick. And people just, are so lonely and depressed and they want that. And they think if I could have this, I'll get rid of that. Yeah. And what happens is they're giving up everything to be put into a very horrible, could be possibly life-threatening situation. And that's one of the things we've actually had a, a, a therapist on who spoke about that 
particular issue where people, um, that's one of the big red flags that she indicated too, was that really quick, quick rush to a relationship that seems like you say too good to be true. Um, right. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean Prince Charming isn't out there, but he's not Prince Charming that needs your 100% attention 24 seven or her 24 seven. So what are some of the other things that you think maybe um, signs or signals, maybe those subtle things that people miss at first? I can tell you from my own experience, for instance, when I had the mentality, this is going way too quick, we need to slow it down. Uh, my ex-husband was notorious for turning it around and making me feel like I was the bad person. Mm-hmm. And he would say, but I understand that I haven't done to you what, and I had never been in an abusive situation prior to this. I call him monster. So he, he made me feel horrible and I couldn't understand how he could do it. I mean, he, you have to give them credit. They're brilliant in that aspect where it was, but I didn't do this to you. So why are you punishing me and not letting us have that happiness that we both long for for so long? And you're, you know, putting the brakes on, but it's because you're afraid. And then he would say, you know what? If you would take the wall down that somebody else built because of what they did to you, you could let me in and then we could build the wall and nobody else could get in and we could have that unconditional happiness that we both want and deserve and never had because we didn't have each other. And I would sit back and go, wow, I'm selfish. Like, how is it that he's so right? Because he didn't do anything at this point. And you're you're literally like, I, I just can't understand how that I was being so rude and wrong because he hasn't done anything. And then um, he would really put you on a pedestal. Everything, like he, everything you accomplished, he would rave about. He would find your Achilles heel. Like I wanted children. My biggest thing ever was I wanted to be a mom. And he used that to the ninth degree. Like it was, I've always wanted a family, but being that I was always overseas and things like that, I couldn't, you know, have one. And I want to have a family to come home to. And I want to build that happily ever after. And, you know, we could foster kids and we could do this and we could do that. And I was just like, you know, at, at this fact, I was never physically attracted to him. I'm a person that's usually inside um, because you could have a great personality and disposition. And then to me, you're just amazing because looks can fade. Something can happen. It is what it is. And I've only gotten that way because of life. You know, when we're early age, teenagers, early 20s, nobody thinks that way. They want that good looking, whatever. But at this point, I I just was like, this guy is so charming and charismatic. And he would meet me with a rose and a simple dinner. And I was traveling for work. And so I didn't get to see him that often. But he just knew what to do and knew how to play those cards. And it was a whirlwind, to say the least. They would make you self-doubt. And I think I think that the other key thing that it's worthwhile mentioning here is a lot of people may be saying, well, I've got I've gotten out of a divorce like that. Um, You know, I've been through those relationships. Unfortunately, sometimes, even though we've been through that, if we don't do that kind of self-reflective work, we find ourselves jumping right back into the same kind of a relationship. Um, And I don't think it's, you know, uh, and I'm not a I'm not a therapist or psychologist and I don't play one on TV. But the thing is, we are who we are. You're a human being and you have, you know, you have that that comfort zone. And it's interesting to mention that you had mentioned that you hadn't been in these kind of 
abusive relationships before. And then all of a sudden it was the right combination of factors that kind of facilitated that the building of that relationship based on, and it wasn't anything from your past or a pattern or anything. So this can really happen to anybody. Yes. And, and I think the other thing to point out is that sometimes after a divorce, people are very emotionally vulnerable. They are looking for that connection with the next right. person. And there yes. are people, and, and I'm really careful not to diagnose or label anybody, but we all know the end personality, <laughs> personality problem. And it's like, even if they're not diagnosed or even if they don't have all the, the characteristics, there are still people out there that play on other people's weaknesses. They're the predators, Absolutely. emotional predators in, in society. That's for sure. Yes. So do you have any yes. specific, any specific kind of mindset shifts or tools or techniques if, if, a, if a person going through divorce or getting into a new relationship or anything starts to notice these kind of behaviors, or even if they're still in a relationship and they're noticing these behaviors, what should they do? I always tell them to take a step back, even if your partner, male or female, won't allow it. And they're like, why are you taking a step back? Because then they feel they want that clinginess. They need that constant reassurance. And even though they make us feel belittled and worthless and they just take away our self-esteem, it's really them that have the self-esteem issue. So when you start to feel that way, just kind of try and take a step back and look at it from an outsider's point of view. Um, are you being isolated? Are you being kept from family and friends? You know, don't answer. I tell people don't answer this out loud because you probably don't want to say it. Just think it. Think it quietly. You don't have to tell your anybody, your friends, especially if you're isolated. Write it down, like at work when you're not around your partner. Am I being isolated? Is he is he allowing me to go out and hang out with my friends? Am I allowed to go somewhere without him having to know everywhere that I go? Is he checking my phone all the time? Is is he telling me what to wear and what not to wear? Is he calling me names that are disrespectful? Is he doing it in front of the children? These are questions that you can ask yourself, even subconsciously, write them down because then you, you physically see them and then tear up the page. Don't go home with it. Just see it for yourself and then maybe step back and really reevaluate what's going on. And and we're I want to be really um, clear here when we're talking, we're not talking about situations where somebody is in danger of physical violence. So Victoria and I are speaking about more the emotional, um, mental control, financial control, emotional abuse, which is no less damaging than the physical abuse. But, but if you are in any kind of physical danger, um, you know, you get, get out, get, have your safety plan in place, talk to your local domestic violence shelter, go to a friend's house, um, you know, definitely uh, take those safety precautions. So we're just want, I just want to throw that in there, Victoria, that we're not talking about people that are in imminent danger or, or potential danger of physical violence against themselves. So, so I think that's really good, actually writing down exactly what it is that, that you are seeing or that you're questioning. Can you talk a little bit about that isolation part? Because that is a big technique that these people use. So can you talk a little more about that isolation? Absolutely. And I want to thank you for saying what you just did, because great minds think light. I was thinking the exact same thing. Um, when it comes to the isolation, it starts out very, very slow to the point you don't even realize it. It's like, oh, you want to go outside of night with your friends? Okay. And then maybe later in the evening or the next day, it's like, 
I was planning on us having like Chinese and watch a movie or, or let's just, you know, cook outside and watch a movie or, you know, and it would be something that just the two of, the, of them, just the two of you. And it would make it where you're like, oh, well, he wants to spend time, you know, and, and he makes it where it's supposed to be a romantic gesture. What he's really doing is trying to keep you away from your friends, family, whatever. Or if you're going to go out and see your family and you're going to go and he's not, he's going to find a reason to make that not happen. And it literally becomes little by little where at first you're like, oh, it has to be a coincidence or it has to be, you know, maybe he just doesn't want to go or, or he's all of a sudden sick. I need to stay here and take care of him. And then it becomes more frequent and more frequent. And then you realize, like, mine took my cell phone away and I had a whole new phone and he checked my phone constantly and I wasn't allowed to go anywhere without him knowing. And he would show up in my office. It was the, it, it starts out so slow and it's done that way so that you don't pick up on exactly what's being done. That's a really good point. And I think the other thing is all those little, now there's nothing wrong with sending your, your loved one a, a text message. Hey, just thinking about you, hope you're having a great day. That's one kind of text message. Those are great. Yeah. But it's, it's like the hour on the hour. How are you doing? Just want to check on you. And then if you don't respond, you get bombarded with text messages, phone calls. You know, I've worked with women who literally have had to quit their job or have been told that they're going to be fired because of contacts from fired. their supposedly loved one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So... So thank you for talking about that isolation thing. Is there anything else that you see or that, or that maybe is something that people might want to do or consider if they feel that they're, if they're not really sure what's going on sometimes, if, is this the start of something or is this something I should just not be too worried about? Right. Another thing that I think is really, really strong that people don't take into consideration is that your partner may be abusive verbally. God, I hope not physically, and I don't want any verbal abuse either, but to your children and your children aren't going to lie. And if all of a sudden, you know, oh, you're not going to stay home Saturday night, you're going to go out with your girlfriends. Okay. Well, when you do come home, if, and that would be in the beginning of the isolation stage, when you come home, the kids are going to tell you, daddy yelled at me, daddy did whatever. What did you do? I don't know. And it's because he's going to take it out on them because that's your weakness is your kids. And so it ends up going that way. So if you see a pattern where the children are kind of pulling away from that partner, male or female, then that also is a very big sign that you need to not turn away from. You need to look at it and say, it's my responsibility to protect my children and to provide them the best upbringing possible. And what they are learning from this is for my son, it would be that this behavior is okay to do to a woman for in my situation that it is okay for a man to treat a woman this way. So then eventually he can treat me this way. Uh, For my daughter, it's okay to have a man treat her this way. Mm -hmm. It's okay for a woman, my mother to be treated this way. It's acceptable for a man to yell at me. And if you think about it that way, it is your responsibility to protect those kids. And that's what they're learning. That's why they end up going to school and become bullies because they're afraid of showing their emotion and reaction at home. And so instead they go and act out at school because they have to let it out somewhere. They vent it out. 
And to me, I just want to go up and like talk to them because you know they're hurting so badly and they feel like they're being ignored on both ends. And and I was going to say another thing that I have found in, um, again, working with a lot of the people that I do and in my work with the domestic violence group was that a lot of the signals are, if, if it's a blended family, like if you've got your kids and he's got his kids and maybe you've got kids together, it's going to be Mike, he, uh, the abuser, whether it's male or female, will be okay with whatever their kids do, but your kids are the problem with everything. And your kids need to go back and live with the other parent. They're not welcome at this home. And that is a really, um, you know, it's a message again, it's, it kind of ties in with that control, but also the isolation because just pushing even your own children away from you um, is certainly something that can happen. So, I never when they start disciplining that child. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's a whole other discussion about who should discipline kids in blended families. I mean, that's that's a whole other one that maybe you have to come back on and talk about that. I would love to. Yeah. (laughs) That's one of my uh, trigger points as well. So, um, I know, uh, Victoria, what we didn't talk about a little bit earlier, and I always ask people this at the beginning, so please forgive me. You are, you have accomplished an amazing amount of things in a very short period of time. So we're doing this at the end instead of at the beginning. But tell us a little bit about your expertise area, because you are phenomenally knowledgeable on the stuff that you have talked about here. And thank you for that. Tell us a little bit about what you do, what you're doing, what your organization is about. Uh, um, well, thank you so much for that. That means the world to me. I uh, am the CEO of a contagioussmile.com. You go on the website and it looks as though it's for special needs children and their families, and it is. But as you scroll down more and more, you'll see there's plenty of resources for domestic violence, and it'll say learn more. You click on the tab, and then I, I put it where it's so real. There's pictures of me and when I went through abuse on there. Um, I have moving companies in all the states in the U.S. that will move you for free if you are in that situation. I have the coalition of every state. Um, I give free support groups, free social groups for the kids and the the victims slash survivors. We're about to start summer camp courses. I do life skills classes. Uh, I also will help the survivors go through and maybe learn a new trait and I'll help them write their resume. I will help them job search if they need. I'll write them a letter of recommendation. Um, then I also help with legal document preparation. I graduated with a paralegal degree as well. And I also am doing a writer's course because I have a book out on Amazon called Who Kicked First? And my second book is on its way out. So we do that. And then we have a support group on Facebook called A Contagious Smile. Every smile tells a story and it is a private group. I vet you when you um, ask to come in and join. And that's so that we don't let wolves in. It is who you are, who you say you are. That way we don't let, it's a safe place. So you don't have to worry about your significant other um, coming in. I make sure that they're not in there. So it's a safe haven, judgment-free, bully-free place where you are welcomed with open arms. And then there's my podcast uh, because, again, it's a contagious smile. And it's because every one of the people I have been so blessed to talk with, Marty, have the most amazing light within them. Special needs families, survivors, they have such a beautiful light. And to be able to help others hear that and see their growth and what they've been through. And I always tell everybody, 
The one thing you need to remember is no matter how bad it has been, you have survived 100% of your hardest days. And that is really, really strong. And it will resonate with you if you think about it over and over again. That is wonderful. And thank you for what you are doing. Because there are, you know, there are so many women who are in communities where there isn't a domestic violence shelter close. They are not able necessarily to, um, you know, I, I, I'm in a rural part of Texas. It's not always easy for people, as, you know, and, and Texas just one state. Um, you know, it's all over the world. This occurs all over the world, every socioeconomic level. It's not just people in certain communities, you know, at certain income levels. This this goes all the way up as I think one of the one of the good things is is people are more open, like the Me Too movement and a few other movements like that have really allowed people to come forward and talk about these kind of experiences. I know Me Too isn't domestic violence, but it's again, it's violence against women. And just having the ability to come forward and talk about this stuff in an open, honest, safe place like what you're offering is fantastic. And I just want to um, really stress, and I know we're going a little bit long, but this is so important. The fact that there, there are resources available, um, you are not alone. It's not easy to find resources uh, as much as it should be, but hey, um, there's podcasts, you know, uh, Victoria's group is there for people to access. I love that idea of having moving companies that will come and help people move. So there are, she's doing some phenomenal stuff. So even if you're not a woman in a domestic violence situation, um, if you want to support women who are in these kind of situations, I'm sure Victoria has ways that she can help you get involved, um, things that she can suggest that you do, yes. maybe t take an act, maybe even just promote this. Um, her podcast, her book, her her work that she's doing. If you heard about it here, you're going to have the notes, uh, the information in the show notes to connect with uh, Victoria. I'm going to encourage you to get in touch with her directly. And, you know, I'm sure that there's things that you're looking for, right? People that could do PR, people that could maybe fundraise for you, people that could maybe help you get the message out. So a lot of the people that listen to this have those kind of skills. And if this is a passionate area for you, I'm going to encourage you to reach out to Victoria and her group because I think she's got some phenomenal stuff that she's doing. So Victoria, as a, as a last you. minute, last thought, last minute, um, takeaway, what do you think people should remember from this conversation? I love that you asked that. That is amazing. I would say that the takeaway from this is that you are worth it. You are worth more than you give yourself credit for. You deserve happiness. You deserve that unconditional love. And you do have it. You have it within your children. They look up at you and they have unconditional love for you. You have that inner light. And even if you consider in your head that it's barely flickering, you remember that even in the darkest room, the smallest light can light it up. And we are here to help bring that back to a full blown light and you can help bring it back too. And the fact that you're here and you're listening to this tells you and your, your own self-conscious that you are ready to take those steps. And I just want to say, I'm so proud of you for being ready to take that step because it's hard to do. I don't think I need to say anything else after that other than <laughs> I'd like to thank everybody for listening. And this has been so wonderful and we are definitely going to have you back. And uh, we'll talk about, we'll talk about sharing some more of your wealth of wisdom that you offer to people. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much.
Thanks for listening and supporting the D-Shift podcast. If you would like to attend live trainings by our amazing guests and have a chance to ask questions and get answers from our experts, join the D-Shift crew. For more details and to sign up, head on over to www.divorcecoachforwomen and click on the podcast page.